Welcome to episode 76 of Chew on This, a Nerd United podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. All you guys out there, you should be part of the Chew crew. And let me tell you how to do that. You go to patreon.com forward slash chew on this podcast and choose any kind of sponsorship, anywhere from a dollar all the way up to like a billion dollars or something like that. So, and anywhere from like, you know, the rewards are from, uh, you get a shout out to uh, stick figures made for you. You get hats or t-shirts. You get to... uh, conduct the the podcast in any which manner that you want or any subject matter so there's a lot of different tiers so go to patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash chew on this podcast and become part of the chew crew so there we go now i'm going to take this time to do our weekly shout out to wawa so for the past however many weeks it's been um we've been trying to get notice from wawa to come out to the west coast and we are doing some kind of advertisement that is not sponsored by Wawa, so please don't sue us. Um, <laughs> I'm from Jersey. I now am in California, and I really miss Wawa. So the hashtag is West Coast Wawa. Um, uh, retweet it. Do whatever you can to get Wawa to notice because I miss their sandwiches. I miss them being open 24 hours. I miss uh, their cheap gas too. <laughs> we would so, be there. We would be there right now. Having I, or I would have, or I would have came back from them t- before to get some munchies before this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be eating. You'd be like eating while we're recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not chips though. Probably one of their subs. <laughs> All right. So again, hashtag West Coast Wawa. Uh, retweet it. Put it everywhere. And let's uh, let's try to get uh, Wawa out here to California. So this is a very special episode for us. Um, Absolutely, we have uh, an old friend of mine who uh, I did not know that um, he was the head writer for SNL uh, for Weekend Update. Um, his name is is Pete Schultz. That's that's the person that we interviewed for this episode. Um, I went to high school with him. We were on the track team together. Um, kind of lost touch uh, after high school, as you normally do. But, of course, like nowadays, you find everybody on Facebook. So we, we've been Facebook friends since we found each other uh, and just keeping up on things. And, you know, one day I, I was watching SNL and uh, his name showed up. I'm like, hmm, that's weird because I knew he had been doing some kind of um, uh, improv uh, things that he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd seen, you know, updates on Facebook. So I was like, wait a minute, did he really upgrade from improv to writer on SNL because <laughs> That's a big if you <laughs> yeah if you if you pay attention to a lot of you know Saturday night live writers uh and people that are on the show they come from like a heavy improv background so um i was like is that really Pete so i looked it up and lo and behold it's it's the guy that i used to have uh chemistry or was it chemistry no physics Oh, Intro yeah. to physics. No, you don't want to say you had chemistry with with the dick. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, so it's yeah it was it was uh, it was intro to, it was physics I think nice um, anyway so uh, I asked him to do me this solid and he pulled through and we got to talk to him so what I love about this episode the most is not just catching up with Pete is I am huge into behind the scenes stuff if I buy a oh. Blu-ray or DVD for a movie I don't watch the movie first I actually go to the behind the scenes stuff. 
So if you've ever wanted to know what it's like to be a writer or be on the show other than performing, um, because I'm sure that's like a whole nother level of uh, craziness too. Um, If you've ever wanted to know what behind the scenes stuff are and you like, and you're like us, you're going to love this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're, if you're any kind of fan of SNL too, you'll love it because I've been a fan since, you know, the, the 70s that shows how old I am but I've been I've been a fan since day one and I have never missed an episode for a really long time the last three four years I kind of lost touch a little bit but talking to this guy and it has kind of got me excited about watching it again because they have been pretty on point as of late uh, especially during every time they have a political year they they're just, they just kill it but this year especially has been uh pretty spectacular and I haven't missed an episode. So, um, yeah, very, very excited about this. This kind of came out of left field. Uh, we love interviewing people, but this, this was one of those interviews where it was just like, uh, just, just in awe listening <laughs> to what, what happens, uh, behind yeah, just the closed wait, doors. Yeah. Wait till we get to the part where I'm not going to spoil it, but wait till we get to the part where, you know, we go through a, a weekly schedule for Pete. You're oh, just yeah. going to sit there and think, I couldn't do that, um, <laughs> but he, he tells some really cool stories about about why he does what he does and and um, the the rewards that he gets to reap from them. Yeah. So um, so here Strap it is. In. It's, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> Here's Pete Schultz, head writer, uh, SNL for Weekend Update. Because whatever we're here, so we'll see how long till BJ drops out with a shitty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Palisadro is not the greatest uh, as far as internet is concerned. It's because you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. All right, so Pete, this is uh, this is my podcasting partner, BJ. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Pete, good to meet you, bud. Nice to meet you. So Pete was nice <laughs> enough to uh, stay up till midnight to do this on the East Coast. It's uh, holy cow! I mean, it's not for me. It's not really. It's not really staying up so much. It's like this is like middle of the day for me. No, uh, that's, true. <laughs> that's crazy. All right, so let me let me do a little little introduction here uh, for anybody who doesn't know who we have on now. So. Friend of mine from high school, um, you know, you keep base, you touch base with them over Facebook or social media sometimes, and all of a sudden one day I'm like, Pete's writing on SNL, what the fuck? And I'm like, that's not the same Pete. And I look on his Facebook page and look on his wall, and I'm like, there he is, there he is, he's fucking writing for SNL. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, but I could believe it at the same time um, because I remember Pete always writing in high school. Um, especially doing like top 10 lists in the class that we were together in. Um, oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah. F- uh, physics for idiots. We were in <laughs> yeah. with, uh, Mr. Sudero. Yeah. Mr. Sudero. Uh, the only teacher to this day that I've ever seen fall asleep in class consistently. Like or even <laughs> <mid-sentence>. <laughs> yeah, but he was still the, the only teacher that would give us 
credit for going to buy him Bialis at Food Town. <laughs> that's right. I, that's 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 the only reason why I know what Bialis are in my grown up days is yeah. from Mr. Sudero. Because before then, I had no idea what a Bialy was. Good um, on him for recognizing that we were never going to be good enough at physics to, <laughs> to really need his class. Yeah, to let us go for bagels. Yeah, um, there's al- alternative ways to get grades, I guess. Like, uh, yeah, he took one look at our toothpick bridges and was just like, get. Go, oh, my God, that's. Go that's town. I remember my bridge was like the first one that like broke really like just dis- was disintegrated like after the first wait. Because I put like no no structure to it whatsoever. It was basically a ladder. <laughs> like there was no second tier to keep the balsa wood from breaking apart, and it just completely shattered. It literally looked like a ladder. Mine may have just been like a ball of hot glue with some wood stuck in it. <laughs> do you do you remember the the like the fifty year old jelly beans that we ate in class? Oh yeah. There yeah. was this back there was this back room that we were cleaning out one day that you know, instead of learning, we were cleaning out his back <laughs> closet and he had like jelly beans back there and we had no idea how old they were and all of us just started eating the jelly beans. But you could tell they were kind of stale, but we didn't want to know the date. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's they they could have been created in the lab, like crystallized in a beaker somewhere. He probably did. I mean <laughs> but to Mr. Sudero's uh, defense, he, he did have a couple of strokes. This is why he fell asleep in class. He was. Oh, yeah. He may have had a few during class, as far as yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he, probably, he probably should have retired after the second one. But it's one of those classes when, you know, obviously like 20 something years later, we're still talking about. So it did have an impact more so yeah. than any other classes that were supposed to be important for you. Also, because he had all those, he had like that ring of keys, and so you thought your class was being taught by the janitor. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my god, that's a lot more than I. That was a lot more than I thought. That we start remember. It's, it's like a it's a janitor writing on the chalkboard. It's sort of a Goodwill Hunting situation in there. <laughs> <laughs> only this one. Only this one drools and loves Bialis. <laughs> Did you guys learn anything in that class? Oh no. No, absolutely not. Uh, we found the I, exam, the final. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we found, yeah, we found the exam in there. And this is how, this is how shitty, this is how shitty of a student that I was. We found the exam. I still didn't even study. I, would, I didn't even look for the answers. I was just like, oh, <laughs> I was going to say, like, they're here listening to this podcast. They're going to revoke your high school diploma. <laughs> I didn't. I don't think I needed it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no. And Pete definitely did not need it to do what he's doing now. <laughs> They're like, so sorry, they sorry, sorry Pete. Pete. You're fired. <laughs> I doubt Lauren Michaels was like, "What did you get in high school physics?" <laughs> oh, Bring no, me some Bialis, bitch. I hope it doesn't come up. <laughs> you could not build a bridge that lasted like for up to the ten pounds. He would. Uh... He would be dismayed <laughs> to learn. So Pete, uh, again, Pete, Pete Schultz is on. He's uh, one of the head writers at SNL, um, and somehow we got him on the podcast. And I got to say, Pete, probably no matter how much higher or lower this podcast goes in interviews or celebrities that we get, Pete will probably be the only one that uh, I uh, would would change with after school 
every single day for four years. Pete's the only celebrity that I know that I've changed with and, uh, what, seen half naked for four years? Oh, yeah. I'm, well, I was very diligent about not being seen nude in the locker room, so it's my uh, puritanical upbringing. <laughs> yeah, so so Pete has that nice distinction of, of being the only one that I've seen half naked for almost four years. Oh, well, I should probably say that we were on the track and field team together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not just, uh, I, not I just in general. Out. Yeah. I mean, I, I assume that people know all this stuff, but no, they've, they don't. they've deeply researched us both, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think on your IMD page, IMDB page, it said that, uh, went to track and field and change with Vic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what you would assume just through our, our mutual, uh, you know, uh, track <laughs> experience. <laughs> So let's let's go through your IMDb page, Pete. And we don't really usually do this. We usually actually have notes and stuff like that. But I want to go through your IMDb page because you're the only person I know from high school that has one. So let's see here. Have you have you actually like? Did you see your own IMDb page? Uh, yeah. I mean, everybody is uh, is aware of their own. Um, you got to check it every now and then. Like, I don't maintain it. Uh, it just like appeared one day. Um, before SNL, uh, just from like, like web stuff that I was doing, um, I just, uh, uh suddenly had one, uh, and I don't, I honestly don't know who is responsible for all that stuff. Right. Um, but that's where I go to see like, uh, where I've been credited. <laughs> <laughs> Anything missing on here in the last four years? Cause it looks like they got all your SNL stuff here. Um, there's probably, it's usually, I think a couple of episodes behind, I think I'm like 122 episodes in now. Um, huh. what is I guess it's still here? recording me. While you're looking at that, give, give uh, me and the listeners a little bit of background. I, I think you went to Villanova, right? Fun. That is correct. Uh, the number one overall there? seed. Um, I studied communication. Uh, with concentration in radio, television, and film. Um, so that sounds sort of like it uh, is related to what I do, but not entirely. Right. Um, didn't have a ton of overlap, but uh, and I ran uh, a track there. Oh, did you did you get a scholarship for track there, or you just walked on? No, I walked on. I walked on as a junior. Um, I just was like kind of tired of. Uh, of not running. And I had been training cause like Hyatt and, uh, Anklowitz and clubhouse, all those guys and Greer, like we're all, you know, scholarship athletes. They were all running in school. Anklowitz was rowing for GW. So like over the summer, they still like worked out, um, uh, all the time. And so if like, I want to hang out with them, I'm like, I guess I better keep like running. Otherwise, you know, but most of your day is like running and at the gym and stuff. So, yeah. Um, I did that and then I just hopped in like a 5k and I ran like way faster than I did in high school. And so I was like, yeah, maybe I'll try to walk onto the team. And then, uh, you know, lucked out with that and ran for Nova for two years. That's good. Um, yeah, you kind of get that bug back, uh, for playing sports after I quit football. Um, I was actually, I actually went to places for football, but I stopped my junior year 
Um, but then I got the itch back, but you know, by that time I was already graduated. So nothing around, but like flag football, but that itch of just playing, I never got the itch back to throwing shot put though. <laughs> that never came back. That's well, that's a, that's a, you know, not a lot of people like just like do that in the backyard. Yeah. You, your backyard would be not easily accessible for walking purposes. My, uh, ankles. my cousin Candace still like occasionally will do like a competition, but she's gotten into CrossFit now and she does, she does that in competition and that kind of like fills the void for her. But there's not like, I don't know anybody that, that was a competitive like thrower that's still like looking for places to throw. It does. It takes a toll on you. I know like, you know, only playing to my junior year in football and, you know, still constantly throwing the football after that. My, you know, my shoulders are messed up and my knees are messed up just takes a toll on you. If I knew like what I wanted to do before that, I would probably never played high school football and then, you know, have to pay for it now when I'm playing, you know, trying to play with my kids or, you know, take them to the park. Oh yeah. I always thought like, I, I enjoy like playing like tag football or something like that. But like, I always thought that like, I'd be like a decent receiver for one catch. And then I would be like broken in half by a hit. <laughs> Well, you, you definitely had the 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 length, the body length for it, um, for a receiver. You definitely had the speed. Um, you might have yeah. had to bulk up a little bit, though. Oh yeah, I would like. I I don't I don't like the concept of a uh, of grown man running into me at full speed. <laughs> uh, it's amazing how much like when you reach a certain age, you're like, I don't want to get hit anymore, and it's not fun. Um, like playing football like that whole time, you know, you, it's part of the game. You don't even think about it. But now when I would play like flag football, I'd be like, I didn't even want to be touched. It's kind of crazy. Cause you know, like how much damage would be causing. Like you're not doing this for anything anymore. You're not going to make it to the pros. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It definitely becomes a question of what am I putting time into this for? That's when I ended up quitting baseball to run track senior year uh, to run spring track it was mostly that notion of like what am i why am i getting yelled at by like <laughs> like a 50 year old man for something that i'm not gonna do yeah i could be hanging with owen half <laughs> yeah that was always fun that was one of the best parts about that um was going on those uh, trips uh, i think we lost bj um i think his his um mountain-esque uh almost dial up internet has completely failed on him. So we're just going to continue the podcast uh, without him. He, uh, he's not happy right now. How going? Yeah. I'm looking at the a, a chat window has appeared here where he's written fuck with like 10 K's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That he's not happy. He's been, uh, he's been messaging me on my phone. <laughs> he's not happy. Um, so the, uh, your SNL stuff, like, okay, so you went to Villanova, went for communications, um, and then I remember seeing some things on your Facebook that you were doing uh, improv, right? Uh, well, sort of. I, I um, After uh, Villanova, I, um, I briefly joined the workforce, uh, had a really, really terrible job. Um, in marketing communications. And then I went back to school for film. I went to BU for, to get an MFA, um, in screenwriting. And, uh, then after like 
four years in Boston, uh, I moved back to like the, you know, New York, New Jersey area. Um, and then just kind of, on, I was like reading through the onion and saw that they taught classes at UCB, um, the upper citizens brigade, uh, theater. Um, and I decided that like I missed writing. I was a little bored doing, I was at that point was working at a production company doing like script reading. Um, just reading like people's terrible vampire scripts, uh, <laughs> and doing coverage on them. And, uh, for like, for like at a loss for me financially, uh, and decided to start taking classes. I took a sketch class, um, and met some really good people and had a good time doing it. And then just kind of got hooked taking, uh, just like working on stuff with people there. So I took like two sketch classes to start out there, briefly did a show. And then I started doing a lot of like, uh, video work for the theater. Cause at that time, like not, it's, it, it, that was like 2006, 2007. And, um, not everybody had mastered like final cut and, uh, and like editing programs and stuff like that yet. And yeah. so I had a background in that from film school. So I would like edit people's videos for them and I would, uh, I knew how to work a camera. So I would do, uh, like shoot people's live performances or help them shoot sketches. Um, and I started doing a lot of that stuff for the theater. So they started giving me classes for free. So I decided to start taking, uh, improv just to see what it was all about. Like I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to be a performer in any sense. It's never been, uh, my thing, but the, uh, uh, it's such like a, a thing that everybody at the, at the theater is into that you have to kind of know it. And, uh, it was kind of fun to take. I, I took maybe like six different improv classes. Um, and, Did you uh, the bug? not really. I mean, it was fun, but I was never like, I never was like, I would love to be on like a house team or like make this a, because I, I, I'm not, I'm not comfortable on stage as a, as a performer, unless I'm like, unless I'm a part of a band or something like I, uh, right. musically I can do that. Um, but the, uh, it, it's good. It was a good way to like, kind of, you know, network through there, meet people. Um, and, uh, and then kind of understand the language that everybody's using, uh, there and understand what, you know, what, uh, improv is. Um, and so I got, I got into it a little bit, but I wasn't like, I, I wouldn't consider myself an improviser in any capacity. Okay. Well, what about, uh, so from there, so basically try to try to give us the cliff notes of how you got from, from there over to SNL. Um, well, it's, it, it becomes like a, like anytime you're trying to get ahead in or, or just trying to get anywhere, uh, in something creative, it helps to be part of a creative community. And so, uh, the idea being that like you, there's other people there to, to push you. Um, there's other people to collaborate with at any given time. If you want to like make a, a video or you want to write a show or something. And, um, 
and then, you know, if somebody gets a job, then, uh, you know, they, you, they know you and can recommend you. And basically that's sort of what happened is, um, there was a, a girl I knew at the theater, uh, who needed help making a video for her show. Um, I helped her with the video and then we started working on other, uh, like video projects together. Um, and she got hired at SNL in like 2009. Um, and then when I, like when an opening came up on weekend update, the head of update at the time, Alex Bays, who is now the head writer of uh, late night with Seth, um, is, uh, he was, had asked people like if they knew, um, anybody who would be good for this position. And she recommended me and a couple other people she knew from the theater. Uh, and then I submitted a packet, um, to, uh, to him and could just kind of went through that process of a couple of packets in an interview and got hired. And, uh, she had gotten that job because, well, one, she was an excellent writer, but, uh, also she took a, a sketch class like 2007, maybe 2006 with Abby Elliott before she got cast on the show. And so when Abby got cast, she recommended her as a writer and she got in that way. Uh, so there's like that, you know, kind of long progression. And a lot of the people, uh, there I, you know, had worked with in some capacity, uh, at least UCB people I had worked with in some capacity before they got hired or before I got hired. So, uh, like, like Bobby Moynihan was my, uh, improv 101 teacher. <laughs> So it sounds like your your networking uh, idea kind of worked out um, from getting on SNL. It says you're the the lead the head writer now for a Weekend Update. Uh, is that the only head writing part you're attached to? Uh, yeah, that's that? really just Update. It's kind of its own little kind of like a little fiefdom within SNL um, where we we contribute to other stuff and we can certainly could write sketches or you know, add parodies or something if we wanted to, but really just, it takes pretty much everything, uh, to write an update, uh, during the week. Cause you got to keep up with everything that's going on and then try not to duplicate anything that was on any of the other shows. So, um, well, I guess the good news now is that you're getting something brand new every single week to put in the weekend updates, like more so than probably ever before. It's, uh, it's the, if anything, the turnover is maybe too fast, um, yeah. some weeks because it's just like, you know, you'll write towards one thing for a good chunk of the week. And then, uh, you know, the president says something on a bus and then you got to rewrite <laughs> everything. So, yeah. So lots of late nights for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind of a given with the job, but it's been a little bit, uh, the end of the weeks have been, uh, have been more intense in this environment. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been trying to keep it a little bit more, a little bit more lively and up to the minute. I think we got, uh, I think we got BJ back. Uh, I hear crickets. Yes, I made it back. Yeah. But, well, technically there should have been crickets while I was gone because it was just quiet and tumbleweed, but I made it back. Had to so do we've a just been, uh, messing around. We've just been going over. Um, we've just been going over Pete's background here. Um, 
and we got to the SNL part. Now, uh, one of my favorite shows, Pete, is, was 30 Rock when it was on, um, or I just finished over Netflix, I should say. Yeah. How much does that show resemble Saturday Night Live? Uh, the offices look like nicer versions of our offices. <laughs> um, and that's, a, that's like about it. The, uh, there's like things that you, you kind of recognize, but that can mean that the writing staff on that fiction, on the fictional show there on the girly show is way smaller. There's a lot more people milling about our office than there are there. Um, we have like, you know, somewhere around 20 writers and then, you know, however many cast members. So it's, it's, it's always kind of bustling. Um, but, uh, the, uh, and like the portrayal of comedy writers there, I would say, and that shows like a little, uh, extreme maybe, <laughs> but they're, they're types. Like those people are all, uh, in that I, I I can only guess who they're based on um, that, you know, maybe other SNL people had interacted with over the years, but, you know, uh, Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, who created that show, both wrote at SNL for forever. So they're drawing, I I assume on a, a pretty wide cast of, of characters that maybe don't fully resemble the people that, I work with now. Uh, yeah. Cause the, the writer's room in that show is just, it, it just seems a little like way over the top, but yet at the same time, you probably know people that are like that, just not as exaggerated, but um, yeah, the writer's room always seems like it was really goofy to me. It's a, uh, it's, it, it, it most reminds me of like Thursday rewrite tables, like where after they've, after they've picked the show on Wednesday, they split the writers up into two halves. Mm-hmm. Um, and one team goes downstairs to the ninth floor writing room and one team stays upstairs in 17, uh, and rewrites the sketches. And so that like, it looks when they have like scenes with the writers, that's sort of what it most resembles. But, um, a lot of the, a lot of the job is done in, you know, in your own little office, uh, kind of hold away in this, you know, ancient building. So, uh, so Pete, do you have like, um, any ideas that you, that you like you have, and then they get shelved, but then like way later down the line, you're like, Oh, I got this idea. Like I, that's still sitting up there. And then you pull it down and actually like present it, or maybe an idea that didn't work. And so you just kind of threw it away, but then, you ended up using it at some point later on. I think, I think the sketch writers probably have more of that experience where they would, uh, you know, they'd be, they would write something for, uh, for one host that maybe doesn't work out and keep it in mind and resub it for another host who has like kind of similar sensibilities or, um, but, uh, as far as update goes, I mean, it's pretty much based on the week um, mm-hmm. every now and then like a similar setup will come up. Um, or like there's like a good joke structure that you've thought of that maybe didn't work in your first year that you can make work in your fourth year or something. <laughs> uh, but it's not, uh, it's pretty much like 
you know, every day is a little bit, it's, uh, it's weird. Every day is, is very new, but also very much the same, mm-hmm. um, for updates. So it's just like whatever you're, you know, cause it, it's, it's so news based. And now it's, I think since everybody in the country has become pretty hyper political, it's more <laughs> political than it was when I started. Yeah. It, it's, it seems that way. I mean, I've been watching Saturday Night Live. So I was just telling Vic earlier since I was, you know, five or six years old and I've even gone back and watched the beginning, you know, the first couple of years again, cause I was too young. And, um, <clears throat> one of my favorite parts, usually it's the cold opening, it's the opening. And then the weekend update always couldn't wait for weekend update because the people that they had on there since day one, I think who was it? Day one. Was it Dan Aykroyd and Jane, uh, uh, Chevy was the it was Chevy guy. Chevy Chase. That's right. Yeah. So, and then all the way till till now, um, that's like usually my favorite part because it's like basically you know what's happening during the week, and then they just you know totally make fun of it. So, do you like um, a couple questions? <laughs> I'm just I got so many questions, but I gotta you know minimize it. But a couple questions. So one, like, what was one of your really favorite like updates that you wrote, if you can remember that? And number two. Um, are you guys like, do you write all the way up until the show? Like, especially the weekend update, like something might happen like Saturday afternoon. You're like, Oh man, like this is huge. I got to put this up tonight. Like, do you ever have any instances of that? Uh, we, we definitely do. We've actually had a couple of times, uh, where we've put something in between dress and air because something happened. Oh man. That was worthwhile. Like, like remember during the, uh, the Republican debates, there was like um, that issue where like Ben Carson didn't come out when his name was called, and then Donald Trump stopped with Ben Carson, and they were both just standing there while everybody like walked past. Yes, us. that was weird. And, and we had like we were like, oh, we're gonna have first crack at that, so we might as well try to write something on it. But we had to like that happened to like while we were doing dress oh my gosh and so once we got done at dress like I, I i sit under the bleachers with lorne at dress and watch on a monitor and he gives notes and stuff and then uh i go back upstairs to the update office on nine and we kind of uh you know we cut things that didn't work and we kind of talk about how we'll refigure things um and then we we all kind of watch this clip and we're like, Oh maybe we should probably do something on this because uh, you know, otherwise uh, we'll never get to do anything on it because the other shows will chew it up. And uh, so we call down and had the video team pull all the, the video and edit it together for us. And we just kind of did like a very, very quickly wrote a little, uh, a little piece for it that uh, is, was nice because we don't often get the first pass at something. Yeah. Um, we also lucked out with that, with that access Hollywood tape. Like that was a, we had had a full update written pretty much and we're ready to go on because that, that tape was maybe leaked at like four or five on a Friday. Yeah, that's right. The Billy Bush. Yeah. Gotcha. And so we had to like, obviously nobody wanted to hear about anything else. (laughs) So, uh, we had to rewrite the entire uh, the entire top of, of update. Um, but oh. I think it turned out well because that was like, if you're tuning into SNL, that's what you want people to talk about. Oh yeah. At that point. It was hysterical. I mean, you guys have been just 
so on the nose with everything. It's it's been a real treat watching that show because, uh, like you know, some people kind of go away from it and come back, but during these t- like right now, it's so it really is a staple right now. Like it's even like part of the news now. Like it's where people get their news half the time. So. Um, yeah, it's been, it's actually been a real treat, you know, watching it, kind of rediscovering it, if you will, again, it's really, really, you guys are on top of your game. Well, it's, I mean, I, I think anytime there's, uh, you know, like a political climate that people are really, really tuned into, that's going to help. Um, like I, I had a lot of, like I had a lot of years there where the main story coming out of Washington was like the fiscal cliff or debt ceiling or budget reconciliation <laughs> where you're like, nobody, nobody wants to hear about that under <laughs> any circumstances. And then like, what are the jokes? They're like, basically like, Oh, these, those clowns in Congress are at it again. <laughs> yeah. I should go back to like, uh, I feel like Bi- Billy Bush might be like the poor man's Cato Kalin and everything that's going on. <laughs> like, at least Cato Kalin got his like five minutes of fame, you know, like Billy Bush was already famous, but then like ever since that happened, he's like just, he's gotten, <laughs> they, they, they gave him $10 anything. million, dollars, so I don't feel that bad for him. But, yeah, I mean, but like, still. Basically like, the deal is he got $10 million and he doesn't have to wake up at four in the morning. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's, I guess that's better, but the other dude went on to go <laughs> be president. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he still got fired and yeah, he got 10 million, which is great, of course. But I feel like it still doesn't match up, maybe. <laughs> it does, it, I mean, it does seem crazy, but I also think, like, if you let people vote, they probably would have voted for Billy Bush to keep his job anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. The, uh, uh, and if that happened, we probably would have got a tweet about how that was fixed or something, too. <laughs> He's, yeah, it's uh, an un- unfortunate situation for... Uh, for him, I guess, but uh, it doesn't sound like on paper. It doesn't sound that bad to me to get like all your all your hosting money up front and get to sleep in. Yeah, no doubt that's true. But he's oh. like untouchable now, though. Like he's not. Gonna, he's probably never going to get another job. We should hire him for nothing. Yeah, we should. Dollars. Yeah, he could come on the show and just yeah. People might not listen <laughs> to us anymore, though. Yeah, probably not. But. <laughs> Uh, BJ, you just recently listened to um, the comedy roast of Rob Lowe, and we were surprised that you were actually part of that writing team. Uh, yeah, I, I did the the Lowe roast and the and the James Franco roast, where I just like submit jokes from home, and uh, that's nice. I use where they don't. I laughed so hard. So I watched the James Franco one too. I I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. Like I I usually watch those roasts, but it's been a while. James Franco roast was solid from beginning to end. It was hysterical. I mean, there was really there was really fun stuff in that. With also, what I liked about that one is it was more like an old school roast. All those people were his friends. Yes. So it was like you know, if you watch those old like Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra. And, yeah, those are good ones. And like Orson Welles is roasting Dean oh, Martin. Shit. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and Ruth Buzzy. It's like it's just like a bunch of people that all knew each other. Uh, and it seemed like it seemed like you were you were listening in on something. And some of those, it's kind of like, why? Who do you? Why do you know this person? Right? Why yeah. are you here making jokes about them? But it's been a good like good place for people to get their uh, for comedians to get their names out there. 
Do you do you like doing the roasts because it's like an outlet to say shit that you can't say on SNL? Um, I mean, I just like I mean, we we definitely write jokes like that all week long at SNL anyway, and just like I guess we won't use them. Uh. Um, but you got to get them out if they're in your system. Like you'll they. You know, if you sit around with comedians all day long, you're going to hear some really messed up stuff. Uh, <laughs> all, obviously all in good fun, but it's not like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I need a release valve, um, after being in the, the writer's room there. You'll like, you know, people are always trying to, to one up each other. Um, we, uh, we have the opposite problem because we, we talk a lot off air and we don't record any of it. And a lot of it's gold. And then we can't remember it when we get on the actual podcast. So that I think we just have to record everything all the time so we can re- replicate it. But usually we talk a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, I'm going to write this shit down. I was like, damn it. That was really funny. Why are we recording that? But, um, Oh, so back, I'm sorry. Like we were totally talking about weekend update and we could just kind of like went all around, but back to weekend update just really quickly. So, um, is there a particular, maybe a joke or a sketch? Like, cause sometimes you guys have little guests on there, like side characters that kind of reappear once in a while. Like one of my favorite is, uh, when Bale Hader was on there, he, he was uh Stefan or whatever. Like, so do you have any like favorite, uh, uh, sketches you wrote on there or jokes uh, that you can kind of recall? Um, man, it's like jokes. It's like, it, it's hard to, there's like a few that you remember, like early ones you remember. Yeah. Um, just because they're, you know, they're, I you know, be had said my, anything I wrote on TV before. Um, but, uh, one of my favorite things to write was always, and it's kind of, it kind of folds into your, your roast question. Uh, we used to write this character, uh, Jebediah Atkinson, for Taron Killam, <laughs> who was uh, was basically like a guy that uh, it was it was based off like a uh, a guy from a newspaper who had panned the Gettysburg Address, <laughs> um, and so he, it basically like the first one was him like ripping the Gettysburg Address apart, and he's like very. It's like a guy from the 1860s, very kind of dandy, um, uh, and just a, just a real bitch. Uh, and Taryn played it so fun. We did maybe like six of those, um, and you know, got to, so you get to rip on like, like he's basically been alive since the 1860s, so he's seen all this stuff, and he's uh, uh, so he's reviewed every movie and every play, everything that's ever been written, pretty much. Um, and just, uh, tears up, just really, really, um, tears apart, uh, pretty much everything. And it just was a super fun thing to, to write and watch Taryn do. That's awesome. He's really talented. He's super funny. Yeah. And the the real fun thing about it now is that like he, now he's basically that he's in Hamilton right now. Oh, wow. And that's basically like King George's, I think is kind of like the kind of the, the Jebediah of, uh, of that, of that play. Yeah. He's just like a real, just a real in your face bitch. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about some roasts, but I, I was also, so I, whenever we go to interview someone, we always totally like 
stock, internet stock them. So I, I was checking out um, your IMDb page, of course. And uh, so besides the roasts, I've noticed also you've done some writing for like the Emmy Awards and like the Spirit Awards. And what is the difference? Well, actually, I probably could tell the difference. But I mean, what what's the difference in like kind of writing for those shows versus writing for SNL? Like, is it just a different type of humor or uh, do you know ahead of time who you're writing for, you know, so you kind of know the voice to go along with it or? Well, yeah, with an award show, you always know, you know, who the host is going to be. And so you have to, mm-hmm. the challenge is always like fitting your writing to a different voice. I've uh, had the opportunity on update to write for a lot of different voices. It's been a, a, a bunch of different people hosting since I started. Um, so, uh but it's always like a fun challenge. Like I just did the spirit awards a few weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, and John Mulaney and Nick Kroll hosted. Um, oh, Nick Kroll's funny. And they're both super, super funny guys. Uh, Mulaney, I had worked with a little bit at SNL. He's actually this Mulaney. He's who wrote Stefan. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> and I mean, I think probably wrote the bulk of the show for a while. Um, and uh, in Kroll, I've, I've been seeing, you know, I had been seeing perform at UCB since I started, and I think is super talented. Oh wow! Um, and uh, and so that was just fun to go and write for people who I had never really written for before. Um, and they have a very they've been performing on stage together since college, so they they have a very established rapport. And so it was fun to like write jokes, hand them off to them, and then see what they turned into. Um, because those guys are very like established, uh, writers and have kind of an established, uh, you know, uh, bit that they do. Gotcha. Um, and I had also done the year before I'd done that and it was, uh, Kate McKinnon and, uh, Kamal Nanjiani. Um, and those two had never worked together before really. So (laughs) that was, that was a different uh, challenge, but also like those are different strengths because you know, like a Kamal has such a defined comedic voice. Yes, and uh, and uh, Kate is Kate can just pretty much do whatever whatever she wants. Like whatever you give her, she'll knock out of the park. So uh, I I have never seen Vic and I have talked about this extensively off the podcast, but I've never seen anything like her before. Like she's. Like, you know, I, I've watched the show for years, so I, I love Kristen Wiig and Molly Shannon, like all the greats, you know, all the greats, Anna Gasteyer, all that stuff. Uh, but uh, she is very just unique. Like, she could just, like, do anything. And uh, while, you know, I wasn't a big fan of the Ghostbusters movie, but I she was the best part out of that whole thing. Um just absolutely talented. And speaking of which, you did – you wrote a little – are there like trailers like for faux movies that are like people are, are doing, but like I watched something called falling for you. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That was uh, that there uh, every now and then I'll do some uh, directing for um, above average, which is the uh, above average is like the web arm mm-hmm. of Broadway video, which is uh, Lauren's production company. That's who like produces SNL and 30 rock and things like that. Um, and above average does all their, their web stuff. And so I've, uh, I've directed a couple of web series for them. Um, 
and my friend Brandon uh, wrote most of that of uh, Falling for You and um, and just directed that over the summer. Just like some like like fun things that we do on the side and like that you like to keep uh, you know uh, try to keep up with some directing chops because that's something I'd like to do in the future. So, Oh, that's, that's really cool. Um, yeah, it's, you, uh, you were it's mentioning really that you would like to be behind the camera. Like that was like one of your first starts was, was directing, right? Like getting behind the camera. Then you got into the writing aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately I had gotten into, but what I really wanted to do is just to, to be a screenwriter, which is not like a job you can apply for obviously. And I had no idea how to get to that point. Um, but that was like the, my high minded idea at some point in college was like, I'm going to, when I get out of here, I'm going to be a screenwriter. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I took every step that I could figure out on my own, but I, there was no, really nobody I could ask about how you do that. Um, and so I ultimately was trying to get back to that and then kind of, uh, fell into directing because of. Uh, because of the fact that there weren't that many people who did it at the time when I started at UCB and everybody was looking to make videos because there were uh, a couple of, a couple of uh, groups that just started to get really big on the internet. There was a, a bunch of guys from UCB called Derek who um, were like, they were becoming a big deal because a bunch of their videos were getting tons of hits um, and everybody wanted to do what they were doing. And that was like, uh, this guy, Dom Dierkes and DC Pearson, um, Dom, Dom writes for workaholics, I think, and maybe some other stuff. And then Donald Glover, who is obviously Lando Calrissian now. Oh. Um, so that they were starting to get really big and there was a couple other groups. And so everybody wanted to make videos. And so I would do that with my own group and then uh, I would help anybody make their videos. Um, and it wasn't really because I wanted to be a director, but I kind of started to enjoy it through that. And then uh, before I got into SNL, my friend who was a writer there um, did a web series through uh, through Broadway Video uh, and asked me to direct it. And so that's how I started a relationship directing stuff with uh, Broadway Video and Above Average. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you just kind of start, start slow and then just kind of build up, you know, to something, hopefully a, a feature or like these little shorts and all that stuff kind of, you know, then just kind of blows up from there. Did you, uh, do you get a, is there a chance or a possibility for you to direct segments like for, for SNL? Um, when we have like a, a team of like super, super talented people that do that. And like, um, I've been like on, our video shoots before, but like I've, that's something you have to be like completely devoted to when you're there because the turnaround time is insane. Um, so it's kind of like you couldn't do both things. Right. Um, but the, uh, the guys that do the, the directors there are insane. What they, I mean, if you consider that they don't start shooting anything until like, you know, Thursday at the earliest and, Usually it's like not early on Thursday. Um, and then they turn in this like amazing finished product. And a lot of times they're, they're editing up until air, like they're finishing effects 
Um, wow. You know, a lot of, sometimes you'll see things that, that air at dress and they're not quite finished yet. Um, and they're just constantly, constantly working. They're like the most talented people. Um, really, well, it really. It sounds like it's like you mentioned already early on in this podcast that you're up late anyway. So just take me really quickly and take our listeners really quickly through what it's like in a week to try to get this going just for weekend update. Um, so you come in on what, like a Tuesday or uh, we, I mean, we're there, we're there every day. We come in Monday. Um, really, I'm um, basically live six days a week in the office. Uh, and I sleep one day a week in my apartment. Um, <laughs> the, uh, basically I come in Monday, probably between like noon and two, depending. Um, we have like a topical meeting, uh, with all the writers. Um, we get the sense of like, you know, what the host is going to do, who's what guest stars might be in town, like that kind of thing. And then just like, what are the general things we want to talk about during the week? Um, you know, what, what kind of things should all the writers maybe think about focusing on? Uh, and then, uh, you know, usually like Jay and Joe stop in on, on Mondays, um, just to kind of talk over, you know, either the last uh, week's update or, you know, uh, something they've been thinking about doing is a general idea. Like maybe like it's something we would do in the second act of update. Uh, but either way I'm there like writing probably until eight, nine o'clock on a Monday. Um, Tuesday is writing night. That's like where everybody is there super late. Um, so I come in again, probably like one o'clock or so. Uh, I usually leave before three, um, am, but the, uh, I'm usually just there to be like, to not only work on my writing, but like if people are writing, the sketch writers are writing features like characters to come on update. Um, I like to be able to read them over and give them notes if they're, especially if they're newer writers. Um, and, uh, or help people, you know, with their, uh, you know, with the feature that they're working on. Um, and Wednesday you have read through. So you have to read through all the sketches that got through to the read. So they read, you know, a little less than 40 sketches every week, uh, at the table, which takes a few hours. Um, and then they have to pick the show and, uh, then we, uh, you know, so I'm there probably till 10 o'clock most Wednesdays. Then Thursday and Friday is really when we're, cr- we're now we kind of have a sense of what it is. Uh, Jay and Joe want to talk about what our features are going to be, and we can kind of write to that and try to write our bigger ideas, our our bigger takes. Um, and so I'm there, you know, probably till uh, 11 on Thursday. I Friday nights, if I'm out by two, I'm very lucky. Um, and then Saturday you're obviously there, you know, through the end of the show. So you come in at noon and you're there rewriting up <laughs> until the very last minute. Wow. Um, and like, you'll even be like, uh, you know, you'll even you at cards, you'll, I'll be down at, at cue cards with change us changing wording up until the very last second. Wow. 
That's insane. Uh, That's insanity. <laughs> but no wonder, yeah, no wonder you don't want kids or don't have time for kids right now. <laughs> I'm surprised at the number of people that do at the at the show. I mean, there's a number of people that don't, but there's like, I don't know how people pull it off. Uh, That's crazy. I was that was I'm thinking about the, you know, having knowing what New York City is like, you know, and and having to do that and. That's just nuts. I mean, it, 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 that I don't think that show could probably exist anywhere else. Then it's like the perfect setting for New York City to to have. Oh, that show. I mean, you also you couldn't if you pitch this show now, they'd laugh you out of the room. Like right, you couldn't right. if you're like, oh, it's going to be ninety minutes. It's going to be live. We're going to write it the same week. Uh, they would be like, you're you guys are insane. Um, why would the you only, do that? The only show that I can think of that that comes close to that. Of of the tight deadline of writing up until it it actually airs is probably South Park, is the closest I know to that because those guys are very topical now all of a sudden, and they they write and animate up until launch time, which is crazy too. I think um, and it's all because of those two guys. I lost I don't you guys. Have Twenty writers. Uh, it's basically just Matt Matt and Trey doing it. Hold on a sec. What's that? Oh, I I lost you guys for a minute there. Oh, I was I was mentioning about. Uh, did you hear me about South Park? I, I heard you say South Park, and that was the last thing. <laughs> I was just saying, like, <laughs> I was saying that they that was probably the closest that comes to the, like the up to the date that they were really topical, and they you know it's only Matt and Trey that come up with the stories, and then everybody else flushes it out. I think like Hater even was over there helping writing too. Yeah, yeah, he's, I don't know, I don't know if he's still doing it, but he was for a few years. Um, a buddy of mine, uh, the guy that I was in a, a band with in college, um, was a production assistant on South Park for a while after uh, after he graduated, um, and would talk would talk about that deadline and how crazy it was, and would describe that whole process of how it's like, I mean, it's like beamed to like to Comedy Central the day of the show, right? Uh, and they really come up right against that. Uh, right against that deadline, and that's that's insane. How they, I mean, to do an animated show like that, and also yeah. for it to be, it's still so good. Yes, um, it is. I, I think it's one of the better. I think a lot of people take that show for granted because it's a cartoon, and it became famous for kids just you know little animated kids cursing. But the show is really smart in how they come across their they make their points. Oh yeah, it's it's my uh, it's one of the few things that I. I make a point to tune into because like during the week now, especially during the season, I only really watch uh, the only comedy I watch is like things where we might like have a bump, like where I might like, I don't want to do the same joke that Colbert does or that like Trevor does or something. So you, uh, so, you know, I watch uh, like at work, uh, we'll pause to watch, Jimmy's monologue and we'll watch Seth's first segment. Um, cause we can watch them when they're recording them. Right. And then, uh, I always watch, uh, Colbert when I come home and, um, and daily show and all that stuff just to make sure that there's no, uh, no crossover in what we've been writing. Um, and so you're not even watching it for enjoyment at that point. You're just kind of like, it's like you're reading it. It's almost like reading a transcription to make sure that 
so it's like things that I used to like. I used to really, really enjoy watching those shows, especially like Cole Baron Daily Show. And mm-hmm. now it's purely for just like I hope that we don't do the same joke. <laughs> um, but the South Park is one of those few shows that I'll be like, I have to watch this. Other things I'll catch up on afterwards. Um, South Park and, and Rick and Morty are the only shows that I comedies that I kind of like make a point of watching during the week that aren't topical comedy necessarily. I love right. Rick, Rick and Morty. I can't wait for season three to pop back up this, yeah, this summer. So you, you just gave us that really ridiculous time frame of a week in the life of a head writer for SNL. How do you guys come up with the fact that like when you, when you had Melissa McCarthy on or, you know, almost every week and Alec Baldwin on it almost every week, how do you guys like, do you call them up and say, Hey, would you want to do this? Or like, how does that work? Um, I think that they, they get a, a sense ahead of time. Like usually we'll hear like Monday, if those people are in town, if they're available, if they're willing to do something. Um, and it's really kind of based on that, that, which is like, you know, it, it's a really a, a big challenge for the, for the head writers on the sketch side that, you know, don't necessarily know who they're going to have access to from week to week. Um, but they got to go through the same thing though. I mean, I mean, you guys don't have it reoccurring like they do now because, you know, every week there's something with, with, you know, with the president and, and the, uh, press secretary. But when like, so there's times when you got, you got celebrities just popping up on the update. Like, how do you, do you just run it by Tuesday and so that, or Monday, and then try to get it approved as early as possible, or you know, how um, does that work? I mean, if there's real. I I wish there were like a, uh, I could tell you there was like a smooth process for that, but it just kind of like happens. Like sometimes it'll be like we've had features added on Saturday. Like somebody will be like, we'll request something on a Saturday morning, and you know, you have to figure out a way to put it in. Um, but it's not like, it, it's very rarely at the beginning of the week that they'll be like, this guest star wants to do, uh, update. It's more like it kind of works its way out. Um, you're not like, you know, Hey, I ran into Tom Hanks at Spago's and you know, he wants to be on the show. <laughs> Let's give him something. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> I mean, they'll, they'll be like, uh, one of the producers will tell us that like, uh, you know, such and such person is, is in town this week. So keep that in mind. Like if they don't, you don't have to use them. They could be, but they might be interested in doing something if you want to write them into a sketch or something. Um, but we, uh, I think more often than not on update, we, you know, we keep it pretty in house, um, which is probably, uh, it's probably like easier for us, but every now and then it's just like, you know, like, uh, um, like we had, uh, uh, Tina, I think had an idea for that, for a feature for Philly voters. I think that was her pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so her and, and Jimmy Fallon came on and did like two people from, from Philly that was like, but that that wasn't something that we had on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. It was like later in the week, I think. Right. Um, but it's also saying that you're like, I'm not going to worry about it too much because like Tina Fey is going to write it. So it's probably going to be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I don't think I'm going to have a lot of notes for her. So. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, when she when somebody like that comes in, do you just sit there and try not to geek out or nerd out and just kind of like watch the process and try to take mental notes of what they do? Um, you can't really. You I mean you can't really geek out over anything. There's just not time to, and you get so like you get so used to those people being around you have to be, you know, you have to be ready to pitch to anybody. My first year I was very like, it took me a few weeks to get used to the people in the cast saying hi to me. Um, and then you, it's one of those situations where you either like you either get used to it or, uh, or you can't do your job. Mm-hmm. So, um, now it's like not, like I, it, it'll be after the fact that something seems, uh, that something seems weird to you, you know, that's something that you'll that you'll appreciate it. But, uh, like the, uh, like you're there's just like ultra level famous people around every week, and so you don't like if you geek out about it. Then, uh, then you, you you couldn't function in that workspace. Um, yeah, it's kind of like you said. You do that afterwards, right? So, <laughs> but you said you know it kind of hits you afterwards, and with some stuff, I mean, yeah. I mean, like uh, like if it's somebody that was famous when I was a kid, or somebody that like my parents that are impressed by, like they find famous, then it's like then it's meaningful. Otherwise, it's it feels like. Uh, you know, like there's not too many like like I, I there's I've liked pretty much everybody that's come on and and hosted that I've met, but I'm also not. You don't have the same level of geek in you as you do when you're a kid. So like, it's not like you know meeting Chris Pratt isn't like meeting Harrison Ford. It's not the same right thing to a guy of my age. Um, but. Uh, you know, you start to, there's, there's things you can, you can geek out about. Like I, I, uh, last year's Christmas show, um, uh, Bruce Springsteen was the musical guest and, you know, as from Jersey, you gotta, you don't have a choice, but to respect Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> uh, and then my, my older brother is like the biggest Springsteen fan in the world. And I had him to the show and, you know, was able to bring him down on the floor when he was like singing, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town with Paul McCartney on stage. And Holy like, crap. Oh my God. that's like, that's one of those things where you're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That's, you know, it's cool that I get to do this. This is but my life. This is pretty cool. <laughs> I would like, I, I was really, and this is probably true for everybody, but like my first week really was like immersion therapy. <laughs> like I got, uh, I got hired on a Friday and the first day of work was Monday. And the first show was that Saturday. Oh, it was like really late in the process to get hired. Crazy. And the first day I came in, there was nobody there because everybody was at the Emmys. So there was like a producer there, uh, Scott, who's, uh, Weinstein, who's still our update producer. Um, and he like gave me joke setups and then went home. And, uh, then I just kind of sat and wrote in a vacuum for a day. And so I had that one super weird day. And then by that Saturday, I was like, 
I was watching like Radiohead's music rehearsal from like 20 feet away. Oh man. Uh, and, and, you know, writing jokes for a show with Alec Baldwin and it was, uh, pretty like surreal. You're yeah. You're immediately thrown into it and you're like, well, I guess this is just what, what happens now. This is just what I do on Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> My Saturdays suck so much compared to yours. <laughs> You know, there's there's uh, nothing wrong with a a Saturday, uh, you know, a, a, a like a what uh, what Will Ferrell would call a, a pretty big Saturday plan. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> I go to bed. Can you name drop? <laughs> can you name drop anybody that uh, that that you did like uh, either you know took a step back during meeting this person or you know after the show where you're like, holy shit, I can't believe that just happened like anybody that you can name drop that just blew you away that you actually got to meet them. Um, there's ones that I, there's like that I, I'm a little weirder around if they're in something that I love so much, like, uh, or if they're part of like any kind of world that I, that I care about. Uh, so like, um, so Mark. anybody from Saved by the Bell? Like that, <laughs> Saved by the Bell people would throw me off way more than, <laughs> and it was like Kelly Kapowski would really throw me off my game. Uh, the uh, I always say that like it's people that were famous when I was a kid. Like if I like if if I met Tom Selleck, I'd lose my mind. I think. Um, <laughs> but the uh, Magnum. Yeah, it's like if somebody was like famous when you're a kid, it's a totally. It's just a different vibe. And it did remind me of my, uh, uh, I, I wrote a joke my first year or my second year. I can't remember, uh, that did, uh, well at air. And then Monday morning, Seth came into the office and, uh, was like, Hey, uh, Steven Spielberg liked your joke. So I guess he like Spielberg had like emailed Seth to tell him I liked this joke. Um, and he passed that on to me, and I was like, "That's the that was like as as uh, as geeked out as I've been about anything." Probably, I, I can die now. <laughs> <laughs> can I frame that email or that text message? Yeah, you heard it? <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, Pete, I I can't thank you enough for 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 coming on uh, with us. Uh, you've been generous with our time. It's it's almost well, it's almost free. It's almost time for you to go home if you were in the office right now. <laughs> Um, so, so we, we end every interview with what we call the big finish. It's, it's three questions. Everybody gets the same three questions. So it's interesting for us to, for us to listen to all different people's answers uh, over the same it's questions. like, uh, inside the actor's studio. Yeah, but, but more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to know and, your not favorite as, curse word or anything. So and not as pretentious either. Um, so, all right. So BJ, you got the first question. I do. Uh, okay. So Pete, um, your all-time favorite character, and it can be from any genre. Favorite character. Hmm. Uh, damn. It's like movie character, are we talking? Or just any, like any fictional TV, character? Um, Anything movie, in media. TV, comic yeah. book. Oh, man. That's a... Books. That's a... Uh, that's a real tough. That's a real tough question. Um, I guess I would have to go Indiana Jones. He's probably my guy. 
Nice. Nice. So if uh, <clears throat> who would win in a fight? Would it be Indiana Jones or Han Solo? Um, I gotta believe Indiana Jones would win one on one. Really? He'd kick his he'd kick well, Han Solo's bla- ass. Like, blasters aside, uh, <laughs> I think that he would. Yeah, I, I feel like he he could take more of a beating. Probably, they both take both very admirably took beatings on film. But, uh, and yeah, I guess they fought, you know, real Nazis and space Nazis. They're very similar. <laughs> but, yeah. There's just right. something, there's just something a little bit more gruff and like rough and tumble about Indiana Jones. All right. We'll take probably, it. Probably the time frame that he's in too. Yeah. Less of a scoundrel. <laughs> Okay, so you kind of already answered the next question. The, the next question is usually, um, what are you watching on TV? Is it like a must-watch for you? You already said South Park, so we also have follow-up questions that go with that. So my follow-up to the South Park, uh, the TV show that you always have to watch is, uh, if Cartman was on Friends, who would they be? Who would he be dating? Oh man, I'm I, I now I have seen all of Friends, but it's a long time ago, and it was mostly. Uh, in the context of a relationship that I was like, I, I, I didn't willingly watch friends after high school. <laughs> uh, I really like this girl. I'll watch it. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, I dated her for nine years. So, you know, I liked her. I liked her. All right. Uh, until the show <laughs> ended, <laughs> I made it a few years past the finale. Uh, the, uh, I watched sex in the city for that girl. The uh oh, oh wow, <laughs> who would Cartman date? Uh, well, who would Cartman date on Sex in the City? Oh, Crap. I mean, it would be fun for him to date Carrie just to hear her like awful like pun article that she would write about him. <laughs> <laughs> he probably gets he would be really pissed off. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then like his yeah his I, I think his uh, his anti-semitism would really play nicely into whatever storyline <laughs> <laughs> uh, also also homophobic too in that group would, would probably play pretty well as well oh yeah yeah he, that's uh, not probably not the ideal environment for for him and yeah, that would be funny as for friends, uh, man, I've, I'm trying to think of like what they're well, you got, you got, uh Well, you got Rachel, you got Monica, and you got Phoebe. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, like, I'm trying to think of like, the, I mean, it, like, I know, like uh, Monica dates like Tom Selleck on that, right? And she dates like uh, Chandler, obviously. Mm-hmm. Polar opposites. And. Uh, and is she also does she also date John Favreau on that? Oh, she did. Yeah. She did. yeah. yeah. And then Phoebe has like Paul Rudd, uh, and uh, Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess Hank Azaria is sort of in the Cartman world, so maybe Phoebe. There you go. The uh, you worked it out. Rachel's just like that's. It's mostly it's mostly Ross. That guy Tag, I think, right? There was a guy named 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a young guy, and then there was also uh, the one she was dating in real life. Tate Tate Donovan, but I can't remember what his his, uh, character's name was. Yeah, it didn't matter. And uh, and Brad Pitt was in an episode. Yeah, but they hated each other in that episode, which is one of my favorite Friends episodes, actually. Oh, because Phoebe Phoebe goes and like hugs him, and she's like, "So that's what it's like." <laughs> that was great. I, I watched a rerun of Friends like maybe like a year ago or so, and I'm trying to remember all the the details. But it had like so many guest stars in it. It was like Julia Roberts and Jean Claude Van Damme. Benjamin it was Brad. Like, yeah. Oh right, right, Bruce right. Willis. And there was also, and there was also like. Uh, that was also like when they had the monkey and, and like and I was like what? It like, was in a movie. Oh, was outbreak, outbreak, outbreak two oh, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, and I and I remember like watching the the episode and like all those details of that episode and was like this has to be like eighth season of Friends or something for this much crazy shit to be going on. It's like season yeah. two. Yeah, it was after the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's in, it's insane. It's insane that that show got to that far off the rails that quickly. That was when uh, Julia Roberts uh, stole Chandler's underwear to get back at him. That's yes. right. Yeah, he uh, was uh, in a like a restaurant bathroom or something. Unlike, no you, unlike you, I did, I did not watch Friends uh, for a girl. I watched it because I actually liked the show, sadly. So. I, I, I will say there are there, there were episodes that I, that I truly enjoyed, but, uh, you know, I was uh, – I've – I think I mostly watched it in high school because I was like uh, every guy was in love with Jennifer Aniston, um, and I remember. Do you remember like girls in our school started to get the Rachel haircut? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's <laughs> amazing. Imagine like going to a salon and saying, "I'll take the Rachel." Like, when does that ever happen? I I wish it were that easy. I wish I could go and be like, "Give me the Zach Morris." Give me that. <laughs> <laughs> But I have to, like, it's always, like, some really embarrassing exchange of, like, it's shorter on the sides and kind of, like, messy, spiky on the top. Like, it's not, I don't, I wish they all had a name or a number that I could point to. And be like, right, <laughs> just like a, like a meal, you know, on a yeah. menu. All right, so uh, last question. Uh, hopefully you won't stump you too, too hard on this one. Um, your top three movies of all time. Now, this is like, especially for a film school person, this is a very, very difficult question. Um, the, uh, the, I guess the movies that I, that I watch the most mm-hmm. are probably the best ones that I could, like something that I would put on to comfort me. Um, <laughs> it's probably, probably Fellowship of the Ring. Mm. Um, because you'd fall asleep because it's so goddamn long, and it's like, but that that I'm I'm on board the whole way. I'll I'll stay awake to change discs. Uh, <laughs> the uh, then, yes, like my childhood favorite is Empire. Yes, um, all right, uh, and a, a fun. Uh, my my brother's kids have just gotten into that. And uh, my uh, my niece, um, like the first time she watched it, literally like wet herself because she didn't want to stop the movie to go to the bathroom. Oh my gosh! 
she was like oh. so into it. Uh, and like it's like I mean I'm like I'm like I can totally relate to that because I've like definitely come close before. Yeah, um, I should be the new tagline of the movie. Yeah, yeah, I pissed myself because <laughs> I didn't want to go to the bathroom. I didn't want to miss anything. Um, and then I guess like maybe toss up between like Die Hard and Back to the Future for like rewatchability. Mm. Um, all solid those, rumors. Yeah, they're all like I mean, obviously, like and I don't. Know, and then I that makes me leave out Raiders. I don't know, but the uh, like I have a. There's like so many movies that I absolutely love that aren't straight pop movies like that, but those are the ones that are like the the rewatchability. Watches, yeah, right? yeah. It's funny you mentioned Raiders because I literally just watched that the other like two days ago. It's I think they're all on Amazon Prime right now, all the Indiana Jones. So I just like just one at a time been going through it. No, that's that's good. That's a good solid list. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're like <laughs> they're like. The, the top grossing movies of all time. But, the, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't want to give you my snooty film school answers. So. <laughs> I thought we'd never answer their, like, know, know about their foreign films. Or, yeah, like silent foreign all, films. Yeah, it's all, all Bergman and Fellini. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Pete, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and recording, um, doing your working hours. Um, and, uh, so w- we usually end all of our interviews, uh, with a gift, but obviously logistically that's not going to happen here. So what we did was if you check your email right now, um, hopefully you have faster and better internet than BJ, um, <laughs> you will it. see, an, <laughs> you will see an email from, from us. I, it's a, I see it as a stick figure. Holding what I assume is Glam during the faux hammer. Yes, it is. Um, that nice. is your official chew on this stick figure that we will post along with this uh, when we launch this episode. Great. You know why that's my favorite uh, weapon is that I like that like the mightiest wizard in Middle Earth just wields a sword he found in some troll's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Fun little thing for me. Awesome. And Pete, also, just calling something the faux hammer, you know? Uh, <laughs> Pete, thank you so much, man. It was really a pleasure uh, getting to talk with you. Especially oh, on yeah, such no a problem. short notice, too. That's That was really cool. I feel like yeah, I could no, probably no. just sit here and hear all of your stories of every single year that you've been writing for somebody oh, famous. I could, you could have your own podcast, man. Just just tell stories. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Or you could just come on to our show anytime you want. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't create un, unwanted competition, right? Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chew on This uh, presents SNL's Pete Schultz. All right. Well, thanks, Pete. I really appreciate it. That was uh, Chew on This, a Nerd United podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. Until next time, folks, chew on that. Later. Later.